0: For our scripture reading today, we will be hearing from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of these words. Amen. Well, today is the 4th of July, the day our nation officially was birthed by the adoption of the Declaration of Independence from the rule of King George III of England. You may not be aware there actually was a resolution passed two days before, and for a while some thought that should be the birth of our nation. But when the Declaration of Independence was quickly thrown together, it was discovered in those words, such powerful truths that they have been so crucial to the development of our democracy that July 4th became the official holiday. The ideals of our nation are so well stated, which declares all persons are created equal and should be free to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. For me, July 4th has taken on new meaning this year because of the many challenges that we have faced. Before, I guess I saw July 4th as a time to focus on the past and concentrate on those who gave their lives in previous wars, especially World War II, when totalitarianism was close to taking over the world. Now I find myself focusing more on the present and the future, realizing I've got a role to play in ensuring that our country lives up to those ideals for all persons, regardless of their gender, color of skin, or ethnic origin. So let me invite you now to take a moment of silence and use that silence however you wish. Maybe you just want to be thankful for the blessing of freedom that we get to enjoy in this country. Maybe you'd like to take this time to remember those who are serving our country right now and are making the sacrifices that help create peace in the world. Maybe you might want to invite God to help you see someone different from you through the eyes of God. Or maybe it's a time to ask God to find out what you can do to make sure our country lives up to the ideals it is founded upon as our democracy continues to evolve. Let's take that moment of silence. Thank you. Well, I know some of us are getting back to the habit of regular worship, some of us have been traveling, so you may or may not have had the chance to get the book that our summer series is focusing on, or a chance to get in and read very far with it. So let me just tell you a little bit what you'll experience if you make time to read this book. You'll discover that the author, Martin Thielen, was a pastor in the Southern Baptist Convention. And then he left that denomination when it got taken over by a more narrow-minded segment of the church. He felt this faction had betrayed the intellectual freedom that was the trademark of the Southern Baptist Convention. And then he found a home in the United Methodist Church. He's been part of more than one thriving ministry of the Tennessee Conference. He was the lead pastor for several years at Brentwood United Methodist Church near Nashville an 8,000 member congregation that thrived during his time. He just recently retired and now has started a website called Doubters Parish. It's a place where skeptics and thinking Christians with questions can read his writings or contact them to discuss those if they want to explore their faith. He wants to dedicate the rest of his life in his retirement to helping those who are skeptical find their way to God. You'll find that this book is divided into two parts. The first part I really encourage you to read because it focuses on ten things that people have tended to think are Christian beliefs and sometimes even to the point of doctrine and he challenges that and shares that you can let go of those. The second part is what we're focusing on in our worship during this summer which is the things that matters the most. a guide, to the core beliefs of our faith. So that's what we focus on. Today we're focusing on how does God work in our world? Well, Martin Thielen uses an interesting approach to try to help explain how people often think about how God works, and perhaps a different way of thinking about that. And he starts out by describing The Truman Show. You remember that that movie? It goes back a few years. It was a very unique plot to that movie. Of course, it played, uh, it was about uh, a man named Truman Burbank who was played by Jim Carrey and although he doesn't know it, every detail of his life is being portrayed on camera 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There are cameras everywhere and he doesn't know it. Truman lives in a massive television studio that's enclosed in a huge dome that replicates a small island called Sea Haven. The director of the show is named Kristoff, played by Ed Harris, and he controls everything in Truman's life. He picks Truman's friends, his job, his girlfriends, and even his wife, all of whom unknown to Truman are simply actors. Kristoff even controls the weather. Well, Martin Thiel uses the movie to describe how some people think God works in the world. They believe that God controls all the details of the Earth, including human decisions and the weather. And Martin Thielen offers a different understanding by lifting up Apollo, the movie Apollo 13. How many have seen that one? Yeah, it's a classic. I encourage you to go see it if you haven't. It's about the true story of NASA's troubled flight to the moon in April of 1970. And the movie is about how almost everything that can go wrong does go wrong. As the days progress, it appears likely that the astronauts of Apollo 13 are going to perish in space. They're going to run out of oxygen. And in response to that grave situation, millions of people on Earth are praying. The Pope even has a special mass to lift up those astronauts. But in the end, God answers their prayers. Against all odds, the crew of Apollo 13 survives. However, God doesn't save the crew in some direct supernatural way. Instead, he gathers all the human wisdom, ingenuity, technology, and skills, the persistence of dedicated NASA scientists, and got them safely home again. Well, when Martin Thielen got me thinking about this subject, I couldn't help but think of one more movie that you might have seen as well. How many have seen Bruce Almighty? Yeah. Again, Jim Carrey is the star. He gets very frustrated about how life's going. And in a moment of desperation, he mocks God and invites God just to take his life. Instead, God comes to him in the person of Morgan Freeman. And for a few days, he puts Bruce in charge of the world and gives him his divine powers. It takes a while for, for Bruce to warm up to that idea, but after a while, he starts getting the hang of it. And then I think one of the funniest scenes, I'm sure you remember the scene, when in his head, all the prayers that are being lifted up by people are just driving him nuts. And he has to figure out some way to deal with this. And eventually he comes up the idea of sitting down at a computer and converting those prayers to, to files, email files. And in his rapid, divine, skilled ways, he's whipping through those prayers one after another, one after another. And when he gets done after a few seconds, he stops and realizes he hasn't made a dent in them. It's, they just keep coming. They keep flowing. So then he draws upon the computer function that says reply to all. And he types in, yes. (laughs) Well, if you keep watching the movie, you'll see how that worked out. You'll see the natural disasters coming. People going crazy because they, they pray they'd win the lottery and all those kind of things go wrong. And it points out some really valuable thoughts. Bruce ends up very humbled and thankful, finally, for the blessings he already had and a new appreciation for the job that God has in ruling this world. Now, Thielen goes on with these illustrations with his two movies, and he makes the point this is not an either-or question, because God is a God of mystery. None of us have this totally figured out. And certainly God can do whatever God wants to do. But he raises the question, which is God more like? God that we see in Apollo 13 using humanity or the God of the Truman Show where everything is controlled. And I have to admit that for a time in my life, my concept of God probably resembled a lot like the Truman Show. I saw God as the grand puppeteer controlling every aspect of my life. And prayer for me at that time was about making God happy. If I could just pray fervently enough and authentically enough, God would give me what I wanted, but you know it's a pretty primitive understanding of God. It's not a whole lot unlike the ancient people who had to make animal sacrifices to their gods. Their concept of God was they had that God was an angry God, and they had to appease that God and had to do things out of obedience, prove enough sacrifice that they'd be worthy of getting what they wanted in life. I think we still carry some of that primitive thinking around, don't you? How many times in your life when something bad happens, the first question that comes to your mind, what did I do to deserve this? Have you ever done that? Yeah. Or when you pray, you find yourself almost like begging for mercy, as if God is this all-powerful king who doesn't really care or know about what's going on in your life. Or even when good things happen, don't we joke? We get a little stroke of luck. Well, we must have been living right. We say that still, and I wonder if we still have to believe that. Well, I love how Bruce Almighty's take showed that God's handling of prayer exposes the immaturity that most of us approach prayer, as if all God has to worry about is me. The impossibility of answering those prayers can seem overwhelming, and there's just no way to wrap our mind around how a God who's all-knowing, and all-loving can somehow consider all those individual needs and still keep God's overarching purpose in view. So does that mean that we stop praying because we don't understand it? No. But it invites us to consider the purpose of prayer is not so much about trying to get what we want from God as about trying to get in tune with God. But finding out what God wants. Prayer, mature prayer, should be much more about listening and connecting with God, who's full of grace and desires to bring us those God like traits into a world that is hurting and broken. Then there's the Apollo 13 image. And it might seem on the surface that is this movie really about God? Isn't it more about human ingenuity? but Thielen uses it to make a significant point. He reminds us that when we read our Bibles, we discover that God primarily works in this world through human beings. He would suggest that God's involvement in the world resembles Apollo 13 far more than it resembles the Truman Show. And think about some of those biblical examples. When God decided to raise a special nation that would become a blessing to the Rest of the nations on the earth, he went to two people, Abraham and Sarah, and made the covenant. When God saw that the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt, what did he do? He came as a burning bush. To who? Moses. And Moses didn't want the job. He complained that he wasn't skilled in oratory. And so what did God do? He brought his brother. when Israel needed a leader to pull together the twelve tribes of Israel. He went and found a small shepherd boy who was smart enough to figure out how to fall a giant with a stone and a sling. When the kingdoms of Israel and Judah had become complacent and disobedient, God sent individuals, prophets, to challenge the people, even the kings. He sent people like Amos, who spoke for God and called the people to let justice roll down like waters. And then when God wanted to do God's most important work, he found a young handmaiden named Mary. And Jesus was born into this world. That's what our passage is about today. The Word became flesh and made his home among us. We call this the Incarnation. It means God became flesh. And the Incarnation is the ultimate declaration that God's primary way of working in this world is through human beings, especially through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ who came as a person. Think about that. Think about the first thing that Jesus did. He went out and got 12 disciples, right, to carry on his ministry when he was done with his mission. So what's the implications of all that? I suggest, first of all, that we need to realize that when God speaks to you, God probably is going to speak through another human being. And be prepared that it's likely to come from an unlikely source. Jesus is the one who said that the kingdom of God, the least, the first will be last, and the last shall be first. So I keep your ears tuned and your spiritual eyes ready to hear from God, from somebody that you might not even respect. And the other thing that it calls us to do is stop and ask yourself, if God truly works primarily through people in the Bible and in our world today, that means that God wants and needs you. God wants to work through you to accomplish God's purposes in the world. There is someone out there right now that needs you that needs your love, your time, your thoughtfulness, your compassion, your giving. And you never know. You just never know when something you do is going to make a difference. I had three of my high school buddies over for pizza a few weeks ago while Nancy was off in Seattle. We used to always get together in high school and have Pizza King pizza and play double bid euchre. So I decided to recreate that, invite them over, and we had Pizza King pizza, and we played double bid euchre. And we had a great time. We recalled memories. I lost, but that's okay. <laughs> and when they headed home, one of those three stopped and said to me, Jerry, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be in the kingdom of God. And it kind of me off. i was like oh oh, yeah and i recalled i remember this was before i was in ministry before i was preaching before i'd even gone to seminary but it reminded me that i remember when we were in high school bob was having questions trying to find his place in life his parents didn't go to church he didn't know about all this god stuff And I invited him to go to a Bible study that our youth pastor was having at 6 o'clock every Wednesday morning before school. And I invited him, and he was like, that's just way too early. But I said, I'm coming unless you tell me not to. The next week, the next Wednesday. So I picked him up, and he got in the car, and he grumbled and grumbled, but he went to Bible study. The next week, he got in the car, and he grumbled and grumbled, but he kept coming. And that Bible study sparked his faith, faith that he came back to after college. And now Bob has served in a couple Christian organizations. Right now, he's a regional fundraiser for the Salvation Army here in the Midwest. Just because I was annoying enough to keep inviting him to a Bible study at 6 o'clock in the morning. So you just never know. Remember, God works primarily through human beings. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this gift. And certainly it's a mystery exactly how you're working in our lives. Sometimes we don't even see it, but you're constantly there. Help us to hear your voices, the places we need to hear them. Help us to be that person that you need us to be, because you have chosen to work through human beings. In this spirit we do pray. Amen.